Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to Mark 11 tonight. We want to continue with that that we've been looking at moving forward in forgiveness. And um, on a Sunday morning, this coming up Sunday morning, uh, I want to add a special time of prayer to our week. And so we'll be meeting in the back at 9 o'clock for prayer, 9 to 9.30. And so uh, if you want to join us, that would be great. Glory to God. The Lord has a lot going on, and we want to keep in line with it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are just uh, so many reports of just dramatic healings uh, are just coming in. Uh, one, yeah, as a matter of fact, the young lady that uh, translates for me in our Hispanic congregation had went to the doctor and uh, the, had really bad knee pain, and the doctor said, well, the problem is, is, is you don't have any cartilage in your knee. You're, you're bone on bone, and, you know, there's not a lot we can do about that except replace it. And uh, she came back, and we prayed for her, and uh, she went back to the doctor, and the pain was, uh, had been alleviated. And we went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, here's the problem. <laughs> the cartilage is back. And so, and you know, cartilage doesn't regrow, but God can create it. Amen. Uh, Sister Yolanda, we came, she came, and we uh, prayed over a handkerchief for a, a person that she knew undergoing cancer treatment. And uh, we prayed over that, and they took the handkerchief to her. And uh, the report came back that there is no cancer. And so God is good. God is good. He'll do what he said every time. Amen. Hallelujah. So moving forward in forgiveness... The Lord said to me, he said, forgiveness is the path forward in 2024. And uh, we've been, Mark 11, and we'll read 25 and 26, has been our foundation scripture, and we're, we're looking at the scope of forgiveness. And uh, tonight we really want to look at what does forgiveness entail? I mean, when, when you say, I forgive you, what are you saying? When someone says, I forgive you, what, what are they saying? In Mark eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And I made this statement several times. There are many hindrances to faith that we see in the New Testament, but this is the only one Jesus mentioned specifically. I mean, he asked the disciples at other times, where, where's your faith? How is it that you were so fearful? And we can gather from that that fear will rob us of our faith. Uh, we know that, 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 that uh, uh, ongoing sin in a person's life will, will rob them of their faith. But Jesus makes the statement here, 
after saying that you speak to the mountain and you believe that what you say will come to pass and you'll have whatever you say. And then he said, and therefore, when you pray, believe that you receive. Believe that you receive what? What you said. Believe that you receive when you pray and you will have. But he said, while you're praying and what, how are you praying? You're believing you receive. He said, if you have aught against someone, forgive so that your heavenly Father will forgive you. Well, what does that mean? In it, at its base definition, it means this, that there are things God can't do for me if I won't forgive because it shrinks the channel of what God wants to do. Amen. And every person in here, ever how big or small it is, we've got a lot we're believing God for and we don't need to risk anything slowing it down. Amen. And, and understand, that's not a self-serving statement. I want to forgive because the word asked me to forgive. But there are benefits and there are, are victories that are tied to it. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, let it drop, Leave it, let it go. Oh, hallelujah. Now, that's the core of forgiveness. Let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. Let it drop. Leave it. And let it go. Say that with me. Let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. Amen. Now, see, that's our part. That's my part. And that's a conscious decision, all right? Meaning what? I let it drop. I leave it. I let it go, all right? Now, that may sound elementary, but I have to do that because no one else can leave it for me. No one else can let it drop. No one else can let it go. I have to do that. Oh, hallelujah. So that's a conscious decision. Decision. Look, look here at Luke 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 37. Jesus said, do not judge not, and you'll not be judged. Now, it, it bears teaching on this for a minute, a minute. The word judge, when we think judge, you know, the world has their idea of judge. You can't judge me. Nobody can judge me but God. That, basically, they're saying you can't tell me I'm wrong. All right? But the word means criticize. Uh, the Weist Bible uses the phrase censorious criticism. All right? So Jesus said don't criticize and you'll not be criticized. Hallelujah. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. The Amplified Bible uses this phrase, acquit and forgive and release. Give up resentment, let it drop, and you'll be acquitted and forgiven and released. Oh, hallelujah. So in forgiveness, we acquit the person who wronged us. 
We're talking about the scope of forgiveness, all right? And when you talk about acquittal or to acquit someone, it means to clear them of charges. Oh, hallelujah. To clear them of charges. Well, no one can do that but me. To clear that person of the charges. Why? Because they wronged me. All right? Now, see, I'm not saying you weren't wronged. But what I'm saying is if you hold on to the wrong, it shortens what God can do for you. Hallelujah. See, forgiveness is so powerful because forgiveness is in the love flow. And love is what energizes faith. Love is the mark of maturity for the believer. Ephesians 4.16 that we've been teaching on on Sunday mornings, on Together We Can, it says that what happens is that the church is mature when they are built up in love. 1 Corinthians 12, when it was talking about the fivefold ministry gifts and the gifts of the Spirit, it said, now God is set in the church. Firstly, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. After that, teachers. Then working of miracles, gifts of healings, diversities of tongues, helps, governments, all right? All of these different things. He said, but you need to, he said, do all work miracles? No. Do all have the, 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 the gift of interpretation of tongues? No. And he said, but here's the thing. Covet earnestly the best gifts. And then he said, but I show you a more excellent way. And the very next verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, it says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm nothing. Is that right? He said, that's the more excellent way. In other words, you can be apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You can have the gift of miracles operating in your life. You can have the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And none of it means anything if you're not in the love flow. Hallelujah. All of those gifts, all of those gifts listed, all the nine gifts of the Spirit, they are all for the, for the help of the people. And you can have a person that's walking in unforgiveness, and God will use them to give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, lay hands on somebody and get them healed, but it won't profit them anything because they weren't doing that out of a heart of love. It's important. It's important. So when I acquit somebody, hallelujah, I'm clearing them of the charges. No one else can clear them but me. Hallelujah. If a person is acquitted, guess what the next step is? They are released. And that's what Jesus said. Acquit. Forgive and release. That's the free life. I don't have anything against anybody. It's a wonderful thing to look at people and know you don't have anything against anybody. Hallelujah. Well, what if they have something against you? I can't help that. Right? My forgiveness may not change them, but it changes me. And, and, and that's, what, that's what your focus has to be. Amen. 
And you know, there are people that will act like they don't need your forgiveness. I don't need forgiveness. I didn't do nothing. I don't need you to forgive me. Well, they sure enough need it now. But, <laughs> but here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter. I say it doesn't matter. Think, think about this. For instance, when somebody accuses you of something you didn't do, you've got one of two options. Stew about it and get upset because they're accusing you of something you didn't do or immediately forgive it and forget it. If you didn't do it, well, what if they, what if they accuse me of something I did? Well, did you admit it? Yes. Then forgive it and move on. This is important because this is the mark of maturity. I say this is the mark of maturity. So he said, we acquit them. So our choice to acquit and release determines what God can do for us. See, when I acquit and release, that person, that situation, no longer has any control over me. My life or my family has no control over me. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? And, and, and there are people that they will look at you and they'll say, well, you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't, but I know what they're doing to you now. Brother Copeland said that to a, a person one time. They said, well, you don't know what, what, that, what they did what they did to me. He said, no, I don't know what they did to you then, but I know what they're doing to you now. That's in any situation. I don't know what they did to you then, but I know what they're doing now. They're holding you back. Oh, hallelujah. Now, now this is important. And, and the reason it's so important is because the responsibility is on me. To do this. Hallelujah. Look at John or Luke 17. Hallelujah. Luke 17, verse 1. Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. All right? But woe to him through whom they come. Now, the word offenses is stumbling blocks. Now, notice, he, Jesus said, it's impossible, but stumbling blocks will show up. All right? He says, you just be cautious that you're not the one they come through. Well, now, how do I do that? Well, one way I do that is forgive. If, if I forgive you, I'm not going to offend you. I'm not going to be a stumbling block to you. Now he goes on and he says, It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he be cast into the sea, than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. Now notice this. Take heed to yourselves. How many think it's important when Jesus says, Take heed? Right? It's like when he said in Matthew 24, he said the most important thing is that you be not deceived. So right here he says, and notice, he says, take heed to yourselves. Notice, not your brother. Yourself. 
And if your brother trespass against you, mm, rebuke him. And if you repent, forgive him. Now notice, here's what this is saying. Here's what he's saying. It's okay for you to say, look, brother, that was wrong. Right? That's okay to do. But he said, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, understand, that's not saying you don't have to forgive if he don't repent. That's not what it's saying. Because there's too many scriptures in the Bible that let us know we're not allowed to hold grudges. All right? Let's read the next verse to get our context. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. All right? So what he's saying is, look, if, if he repents to you, no matter how many times he repents, you forgive him. No matter how many times he does you wrong, and no matter how many times he repents, you forgive him. What, what do we get here that our job is? Forgive. Is that right? Tell the truth. What you did was wrong, but I forgive you. And that's not like, but I forgive you, like high and mighty. I'm forgiving you because that's what I need to do. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, if he turns to you and says, I repent, I'm sorry, you must forgive him. Give up resentment. Notice this. And consider the offense as recalled and annulled. Oh, hallelujah. You must give up resentment. And I say it out, I'd say, Father, I give up any resentment right now in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Try it one more time. Say, Father, I give up any resentment in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. And you know we, know, we know what the word resentment means, or we know at least what resentment feels like, right? If you resent somebody, basically this, you can't stand to be around them, right? Just the sound of their voice gives you the willies. I don't know if you've ever been around anybody like that. Amen. And listen, I... I'm not even going to tell the story. I, I used to know a person, they had a certain phrase. I won't repeat the phrase. But they would say it, and it just made me so angry. I just, I didn't even like them. Because they, they, were, they were just such a troublemaker. And they'd always come in and, and make that statement. And I just, I just... Resented them. And one day I figured out, you know, I just, I got to forgive them. Right? And, and, you know, it didn't change them. They kept making that statement. But it eventually got to the place it didn't bother me. Why? Because notice, he said, you give up resentment. You give it up. Then he said, consider the offense recalled and annulled. Well, you know, the word annulled 
means to declare invalid. So what does that mean? The offense there, it's invalid. It doesn't matter. It's invalid. Now, now when that's your mindset, that thing no longer has any legal standing in your life. I've known people before that got married and then had the marriage annulled. Well, think about this. I mean, it's a simple answer. If they got it annulled, were they still married? Did it have any legal standing? No, zero. Why? The, the, the relationship between the two was declared invalid. So when you forgive somebody, you're declaring what they did to you invalid, and you're canceling it. Hallelujah. Yeah, but Pastor, it was really bad. I understand. That's why you really need to forgive. Amen. Are you with me? It, it, it doesn't lessen the severity of what they did, and, and it doesn't make it right, but it frees you. Your, your goal is to be free. The Bible says the one that the Son has made has set free is free indeed. Jesus said in John chapter 8, when you know the truth, the truth makes you free. So the truth is when I forgive, I give up resentment. It's annulled. I consider the offense recalled. Well, what does that mean? That means I got offended, but I pull it back. And I'm not going to let I'm not going to let it stay out there. I pull back that offense and I forgive. Oh, hallelujah. When I forgive, the offense no longer has any validity. It has no validity. No matter what was done, it's not valid. Meaning, it has no power over me because it's invalid. Stumbling blocks, snares, offenses are sure to come. What's the answer to them? Forgive. Forgive. Now, that's all from my end. I let it drop. I leave it. I let it go. I acquit the person. I consider the offense annulled. That's on my end. Right? Now, look at 2 Corinthians 2. And verse 6. Now, to give you some background, what Paul is writing about is the man from 1 Corinthians 1 that was uh, in an improper relationship with his stepmother. All right? He had started living with his dad's wife. And remember what Paul said? He said, you're puffed up and acting spiritual, and you shouldn't be puffed up and acting spiritual. You should have put him out. Because the understanding is what? He wouldn't repent. He wouldn't repent. But between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he repented. And Paul starts in verse 6 and says, 
Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. So that means the whole church agreed and put him out. And he said that was sufficient. So that contrarywise, you ought rather to, notice, forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. All right? So he's repented. What did Jesus say in Luke that we do if they repent? Forgive them. How many times? As often as they ask us. Is that right? So this man has changed. He's repented. And Paul says you should forgive him or he can be swallowed up with sorrow. If if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ won't forgive him and bring him back, He's going to be beat up by sorrow and condemnation and guilt. Amen. Now notice, to this end, well, actually, wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. For to this end did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you're obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything... To whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. For what reason, Paul? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Hallelujah. So Paul stated the punishment was sufficient, he should be forgiven. Now look, notice. Here we see what occurs through the door of unforgiveness. Satan can take advantage of us. Now, again, the word Satan is not a proper name. It's a descriptive term, adversary. That's what it means, adversary. So when someone says Satan, it's, it's the adversary. So our adversary, through the door of unforgiveness, can take advantage of us. This is important. Why? He has no power over us. He cannot just step in and mess things up. I wonder wonder what Christians believe when they talk about how the devil's messing things up. Why are you letting him? If the devil's messing things up, your adversary, why aren't we resisting him? Oh, hallelujah. Right? Peter, Peter said, you have an adversary, your adversary, the devil roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? Is that right? James said the devil's going to show up. What did he say? Resist the devil. Resist the devil. And he'll hang around. No. What did it say? I say, what did it say? Then if we resist the devil, why are we talking about him like he's still around? Like he's still messing with things. Charles Capps was praying one time, and and he said that he was praying to God, uh, uh, to the Father about some things the devil was doing, and the Lord said to him, I'd appreciate it if you'd stop talking to me about what the devil's doing. He said, I told you to resist the devil, and he'd flee from you. And Charles Capps said, I did resist him. 
And, and the Lord said, then he, then, he, then he fled from you. Is that right? The circumstances are no indication that he hasn't fled. Yes, he has if you resisted him. What's he doing? He's looking for an, an opportunity to take advantage of you. Amen. Brother Hagen was praying for people in, in, uh, in uh, a prayer line, and the Lord had appeared to him, Jesus had appeared to him sometime before that, and said, when you pray for people, he said, you put your hand on the front and on the back, and he said, if you feel that anointing bouncing back and forth, he said, that's evidence that it's a demon spirit that's causing the sickness in that person's body. He said, because you got to deal with that different. you got to cast that out. The prayer of faith won't fix that. And he said he called people up, and that man came over that had tuberculosis of the spine and couldn't bend over. And Brother Hagin said he put his hands on him, and he felt that fire jump, and he prayed for him, right? Told that spirit to leave his body. And then he backed up, and he said, Now, see if you can bend over. And he couldn't. And he said, I laid hands on him again, felt the same thing. And, and, and rebuked that spirit and then said, now see if you can bend over. That's in, that's in his book, If, the Badge of Doubt. But anyway, he said he looked over to the left-hand side and Jesus was standing there. And he said, Jesus said to him, I told you that when you told those spirits to leave, they would leave. Brother Hagin said, he told Jesus, but Lord, I did what you said. And he said, Jesus said, I told you that when you lay hands on those people and command that spirit to leave, it'll leave. And Brother Hagin said, I tried to plead my case again. And he said, his eyes flashed with fire. And he said, but I said they would. Amen. And he said, I got it. It was at that moment I got it. I was telling that spirit to leave, but then I was saying, if. And he said, I had that man come back up, and I laid hands on him. I said, now, out you go in the name of Jesus. I said, now, brother, bend over and touch your toes. And the man just bent over and touched his toes, completely healed. Now, now think about this. People say, what's that got to do with unforgiveness? If gave the devil an advantage. He didn't have to leave. He had been commanded to leave, but when he said, now see if you can, he came right back. Amen. You can confess, you can declare, you can resist, but if you aren't willing to forgive, the devil still has an advantage. Amen. I've known people, nobody in here, but I've known people before that would not forgive and they would confess. They had pages of confession scriptures. They would confess from daylight to dark, but they wouldn't forgive. Well, what did that do? Is confessing wrong? No, but it, it gave the devil an advantage. Hallelujah. It gave the devil an advantage. And Paul said, we forgive so Satan won't get an advantage of us. And then he said, we're not ignorant of his devices. The, the, the word devices, it means schemes. It means purposes. But then it means his mindset or his thoughts. 
We're not ignorant of his mindset. Right? You know, we, we quote John 10.10, 10, the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus said that's all he comes for. That's his mindset. That's his thought. So here's my question. Why would you open the door to him at all if we know that's what he wants to do? Amen. Do you see that? If I know that's what he wants to do, why would I give him an advantage? But that's, that's important to know. He's got to get me to give him the advantage. He can't just do it. Amen. Think about this statement when people make this statement. Well, the devil's fighting. What do we mean by that? Because he's our adversary. He's always against us. You, you do know he's never for you. Not helping you. Right? He's always against you. He's, so even when he's not putting pressure on you, he's scheming. He's thinking up a plan. What's he doing? Roaming about. What? Looking for a way in. Testing the defenses. Oh, this is important. That's why the enemy reminds us of what people did or said and tries to convince us that we got a valid reason to hold a grudge. Why? Because then we just open the door to him. When I wrote the book, I taught on the series first, but when I wrote the book, Refusing to Care, the Lord said to me, he said, care props the door open for everything else the enemy wants to bring into your life. There are things that I can do that just hold the door open for him. So the person that is forgiving is re- or unforgiving is rebuking the devil while holding the door open for him. Hallelujah. This is how important it is. That's why we live a life of forgiveness. Amen. Say it out loud. Say, I'm a forgiver. No matter what, I'm a forgiver. See, we we refuse to hold a grudge. Refuse to hold a grudge. Now, this is important because people will come up with any number of things. Well, what if they did this? Listen. What they did may not be right, and it may be horrible, but you got to forgive it and refuse to hold a grudge. Doesn't make it right. And it doesn't mean you got to go tell them, but you got to forgive them. Oh, hallelujah. I've had people come talk to me about their parents. Well, my parents didn't do me right, and they didn't teach me right, and they didn't help me, and they didn't raise me right, and my dad wasn't there. What should I do? Forgive them? I mean, what are you going to do? There are people that are holding grudges tonight against dead people. How are you ever going to get your pound of flesh off that dead man? He's dead. You got to forgive him. I know a person right now that's mad at their spouse for dying. I mean, it's a sad situation. Well, he 
left me this way and didn't leave me with anything. That's a bad situation. Well, what are you going to do? The man is dead. Forgive. Right? Now, Pastor, you just don't know. But, but wait a minute. I know what they did to Jesus. I know that the Bible says there was no guile in his mouth. I know the Bible says he never did anybody wrong. He never sinned. And yet on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. If Jesus needed to forgive, I need to forgive. Oh, this is important. That's one door the enemy can use to hinder the plan of God for our lives. If I won't forgive, the plan of God comes to full stop. I'm, I, 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 I need not even worry about going another step because it comes to full stop. Hallelujah. This is important. It's not the only door, but it's one of the main ones. Oh, hallelujah. I, I just have a process. Every morning I get up and I say, Lord, I forgive everybody I'm going to encounter today. And before I go to sleep, I say, Lord, I forgive everybody I encountered today. Right? I mean, if you drive more than a few minutes, you got somebody to forgive. Right? I, I told my wife the other day, I'm, I'm going down the, 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 the highway, and the speed limit in this certain part of the highway is 65. And I came up on this person going 48. It's on the phone with my wife, and I said, why do people go 48 and 65? I don't know. He said, what would you do? I drove around and said, brother, I forgive you. And just... <laughs> right? If, if, if you go to the grocery store ever, you're going to have somebody to forgive. If you work a job, you're going to have somebody to forgive. Let me put it this way. If you're breathing, you're going to have somebody to forgive. Why? Because people are people. This is important. We release, and then what happens? We're released. When you forgive someone, that situation no longer holds me in bondage. Well, they still think I'm wrong. Doesn't matter. You forgave them. They're, they're allowed to think what they want. I've forgiven them. See, and when the thing changes, you'll be in a position to deal with it. If you don't forgive and somebody comes and wants to reconcile, you're going to fight. Because you're going to want them to know how they're wrong. But when you forgive, something starts working on them. Amen. The enemy will bring up to your mind, well, you know, you don't see any change in them. It doesn't matter. I've forgiven them. So what's happening? My prayers are working for them right now. My prayers are working on that situation because I have forgiven them. See, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can forgive and let it go.
through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said in Romans 5.5, 5, he said uh, uh, that hope does not make a shame because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. One translation, the Weiss Bible says that the Holy Spirit is poured into our hearts and is continually poured into them by the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? I have a constant flow of forgiveness. I have a constant flow of love. And there, there are things I've got to forgive by the power of the Holy Ghost. Right? I mean, I know Missouri fans. I've got to forgive them. <laughs> but I do have good news. Kansas is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, amen. They're playing in Las Vegas. Well, the Raiders aren't going to need their stadium, so... Hallelujah. Forgive me, brother. Forgive, forgive me. I forgive you. I mean, it's a nice stadium. If they're not going to use it, we, we might as well. Amen. Isn't that interesting, though? But, you know, in closing, because we only have an hour of power on Wednesday, unless Pastor Michelle's preaching, then it's an hour and a half of power. She'll forgive me for that. <laughs> we'll edit that. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> oh my goodness. But it you know, you know, it's 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 so interesting that. How, how, how the enemy wants you to hold on to things. He wants you to hold on to things because he, he recognizes that's keeping the door open. Right? When you forgive, all, all the pressure is gone. It doesn't matter. It, it just, it doesn't matter. Because I have forgiven it. I have let it go. I've let it drop. Amen. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can forgive and let it go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And when you forgive, you have the ability to think on a greater level. Because that's not clogging up the, the pathway that God wants to get those thoughts and ideas to you. Everything that you give your mental energy to, if you give your mental energy to unforgiveness and holding a grudge, you're not giving that energy to the things that God wants you to think on. And there are people you know and I know, they are wasting spiritual energy on things that they should just let it drop and get busy. The Lord said to me one time, he said, every moment of time that you spend thinking on something that you need to just let go, you can't get that time back. 
You can't get it back. And we're in the process in the day and age we live in, in of redeeming the time. You've got to begin to ask yourself about certain things. Is that worth my time? It's not worth your time. Don't, don't do it. That can be thinking on something. That can be doing something. That can be saying something. Somebody comes up and starts a conversation with you about something, ask yourself, do I have the time to get into this? It's important. Because, you know, there are people that won't gossip, but they'll scroll social media and put their opinions out there. I'm not preaching against social media. You got to ask yourself, is that worth my time? Is that unforgiveness worth my time? How many moments have been lost in people's families because they were thinking about somebody that, that, that did them wrong instead of being present for their family? Amen. I got, I got, I got, you've got too much to do. I've got too much to do. Amen. The, the things that God's raising up in our ministry to do, we got way too much to do. Don't let unforgiveness hinder us. Amen? Well, let's stand up tonight. Praise the Lord.